You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 3, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. Powered by supporting partners, One Day, TIS Insurance, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more about this podcast at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, a senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas on a really super exciting episode. This is part two in a series on sales and marketing from an outsider's perspective. I am honored to welcome a very, very good friend of mine, Dale Dupree. He is the copier warrior and the founder and leader of the Sales Rebellion. Dale, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, dude. I never thought in my entire life I was coming on this podcast, but what a dream come true, honestly. Seriously, it is. <laughs> it well, is a dream uh, come true. I'm just glad to have you on, Dale. Um, my first time actually getting to meet you, and I have been so, so sick of hearing Lucas talk about you for <laughs> several years, so I'm glad we can actually get to talk to you together today. Well, yeah, yeah. We can start our bromance, Josh. Yes. I'm down. Yeah. You know, we'll yeah, start please. making Lucas Share get some sick of, that of love. you talking about me. That's Share the love. Bro. Yes. <laughs> Well, a lot of our listeners actually may already know who Dale Dupree is because uh, for whatever reason in the senior living world, uh, I am known as somebody that knows how to work LinkedIn. And in comparison to Dale, uh, I'm a kindergartner on LinkedIn. So when I talk to people, I'll, I'll you know offer them a meeting or a call or whatever. And I say, look, there's two people that you need to follow and watch what they're doing because you will learn exactly how to do it. Now, you won't know how to do the magic of the content that they write, but if you can shape and learn from what they're doing and put it in your own voice and your own story, then you can really be successful and have an impact. And I say, you need to follow Dale Dupree and you need to follow James Lee. And he's in our industry. And actually, he just came on as a contributor to the Bridge the Gap platform, which is really exciting. So Dale, Let's talk about your background uh, that's so fascinating and talk about your journey of what you've been trying to do your entire career. Yeah, I like to try and tell the story a little bit different every time. So please forgive me just going on like a tirade right now, but because that's literally what my story is sometimes a tirade. But it all really starts back in 1984. I have to start there every single time, right? My father founded his first copier firm and only copier firm. I was born a year later in 1985. And as they like to say, toner was running in my blood. And the reason that it's so important that I talk about that every single time is because my father was an intentional man. My father knew that every single action that he was taking was building and creating a legacy for us who were coming at some point in his walk. And because of that, my father breathed life into me before I was even a thought. <laughs> I mean, maybe I was a thought at some point. I don't know how that really works, but... Well, for, I guess I should say I do know for 10 years, I've been trying to get my wife to have a baby and I finally got one and I have a two-year-old son now. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> so, yeah. so maybe I was a thought, dad, thanks for thinking of me, man. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is, is that my father created this destiny for me through his intentional actions. And, and not, not to say that somehow the people before us manipulate what our outcomes look like, but listen, bro. I started a sales rebellion a year ago. Uh, I have 12 employees now, um, you know, 12 months later into starting this organization. And it all comes back to selling copy machines when I was 22 years old, uh, coming off of touring with a band that I decided to go and, and chase 
from the perspective of what it was that I dreamed to do. As kids, we are not sitting around telling our kindergarten teacher, oh my God, I can't wait to grow up and sell copiers, right? We have very big, very wild aspirations. You know, even if it's just like a firefighter, it's still a pretty wild aspiration, quite frankly. Uh, the idea, though, of being a rock star was big for me. You know, I thought if I could spend my life on stage entertaining people, oh man, how sick would that be? And that goes kind of back to my foundation and and the core of who Dale Dupree is. And well, there's a couple things in there is that I'm an artist at heart. I'm a creative at heart. And my father was very good at understanding that part of me too, where I think that that a lot of times maybe parents look at their kids and they're like, oh my God, my, my kid's weird. And he wears tight jeans and what's he doing with makeup? And where I was just trying to express myself more than anything. That's a real thing. I used to paint my nails black, you know, like black as the night. I wore like a big pink belt, you know, out in, into the open, you know. <laughs> right. But I was in a metal scene, right? Full of scary hardcore individuals right and it, and it what was crazy about my lifestyle and my expressions as well too is though that i was i was so outgoing that i was also the kind of guy that would wasn't afraid to engage with you when you were making fun of me or you you know you were like why do you paint your nails bro like i could have a full conversation with you which leads me to piercing my ears which you can't see because i have these awesome headphones on which are sennheisers by the way shout out to sennheiser they're not one of my sponsors but maybe after this podcast they will be <laughs> and the, the the thought of what it was that that made me want to gauge my ears and what i mean by gauging is that we have i have had like holes that big in my ears <laughs> at some point they've closed up much more now but the reason that i did it was because of an influence that somebody had on me which was that a dad had walked up to this gentleman that I looked up to and I was about 16 years old at this point when I saw this person play and I watched this exchange and at, the dad had walked up to this gentleman and said, you know, you say you're a Christian, you, you know, but I watched you play just now and I brought my son to see you and I don't know that I like all this violence and, you know, perception was at play. Right. And he said, these big old holes in your ears, all these tattoos. Well, he pops this, his earrings out. Right. And he's got all, oh, they're all wood, right. They were made out of, out of wood and he holds it in the palm of his hand and he says you see that and the guy says yeah it's massive and he goes yeah it's about the same size of the nail that was driven through my savior's hands that that uh, savior by the way that that came here for, for you just the same as he did for me and he preached the gospel to this man and when i watched that happen i realized that inside of our creativity and inside of the things that that we that deep down inside that we sometimes we can't even like explain to people why we do <laughs> that that there was a true expression and it was an eye-opening thing for me and so playing music was fun i spent five years doing it started on an indie label ended up on warner brothers records drugs alcohol um anything that you can possibly imagine in the, in the realm of sin was at play and and because of all those things and my loyalty to the woman that i had met at 17 years old who's now my wife of 13 years and, and we've been together for 17 this August. That's a long time, right? I think, Lucas, you got that on me, though. I think we're the same age and you've got more years on me, right? No, don't. Oh, yes. Sick. I finally I got you on something here. So <laughs> finally, let me write that down. Hold on a second. I just get it. But because of because of the way that I wanted to live my life and, and, and what, it, what it was that I desired my outcomes to be, I came home. And now let me tie that in. I watched my father treat my wife like a treat my mom like a queen, 
right? I watched the way that he respected my sisters, my cousins, my aunts, my anybody that was in my life that was a woman, right? And so because of that, that bar that he set for me, I made decisions based around this concept and idea of, I don't want to be divorced. <laughs> I don't want to have two kids with a woman I'm not married to, and, you know, and then get married to somebody else. I didn't want any of these things. I wanted real, a, re a real defined structure in my life around what it was I was called to this earth to do and not to just go and, oh, I just, I did this. I should have done it, but I did this, right? I never wanted to have those types of outcomes. And not to say that I didn't, right? Because at the same time too, I, during these years and, and from the time I was, a young man, um, I could probably remember back to being about seven or eight when I first realized that I was sad. Um, I've struggled with depression. And at 15 years old, I tried to kill myself. And it was a failed suicide attempt that my mother walked in on basically and stopped me from doing. Hmm. Um, and I sit here before you today because of things like that. Hmm. And, and I, I don't just look at that and say, oh, it was a mistake I made. And thank God my mom came in. I think of it as divinity. It was a purpose for my life, right? There's a reason I'm still here. And so every moment matters to me because of those things. And let me tie that back into the very beginning of my story that I'm an intentional person. I'm intentional about every moment. I'm intentional about every word. I'm intentional about every action because of the way that my father created the legacy in which I live to honor. So for me, getting out of music, going into sales, it was natural because it was a progression toward building something better for myself under under the the roof of a man that I looked up to more than anybody else on this earth. And my dad and I became so close in those times. We had the absolute worst arguments of our lives in those moments. And they ended with hugs and kisses and letters to each other. And just like the full on romance that a dad should have with his son. Right. And I, we, we, we run from the word love too much. Right. My dad told me he loved me every moment that he had the opportunity to do so. It's not weird. <laughs> That's a great thing for people to have in their life because of it. It's I do it too. I, I mean, I've never met you, Josh, but I'll tell you right now that I love you and I'm not afraid of it. <laughs> and the, and the idea of that is, for me was that why is sales so stuck in this rut of being overbearing, being grimy and slimy, having all these tactics and techniques and, and, and basically property of scum, you know, is what sales is. And, and as I was learning it, you know, and sure, like there were some great influencers, especially the guys my dad grew up with, the Dale Carnegie's, the Zig Ziglar's, those men are, are, are fabulous people. But it's what spawned out of this idea of here's a way to talk to somebody, right? That, that was like, oh, well, here's nine different ways. And here's 900 different ways, and, you know, that has completely diluted and, and really watered down what a true sale is what really engaging another human being is at its core, the foundation of that. And because of it, I realized that sales was broken. And so I took on the status quo inside of the copier world. I became the copier warrior. I had commercials that I spent thousands of dollars to produce. The people were like, you're weird and this will never work. And it may be the number one rep in my organization for six years straight, becoming the VP of sales eventually going from 8 million to 25 million in that, in that, that time frame. And then leaving for an upward lateral move to work with a $2 billion firm called Xerox. You might've heard of them. They're the first copier ever. <laughs> <laughs> kind of cool. Kind of cool to have that in your resume, right? But I spent a year and a half with them running a territory, running a team. And I realized that I was chasing something that, that, that was comfortable. Because even though I was rebelling and I was, I was going against the status quo, I was still bending the knee. 
to things that were not of me and my existence, that were not part of my morals and ethics, and and turning a blind eye to stuff like that. And now I was still loud about it, trust me, internally especially. However, what good is that? And so and so someone came to me at one point, you know, and said, you can sit there and fight your battle inside of that company all you want, or you can do the rest of us a solid and come teach us and leave that that place. Because it's it's this little castle that you sit in over here. And out here is a kingdom. And that impacted me, the concept of that thought. Now, what I just articulated is the actual mission statement of the rebellion. And it's how I I took the words that were spoken to me, which were probably like nine F-bombs and some other foul language, you know, of somebody being like riled up to tell me like, quit your job, you know? <laughs> and I articulated that out of it, which became the mission. And so I resigned from my job with no promise of an income. I developed the sales rebellion within the course of about two months. I developed curriculum and a standard around how we would coach. And then I literally lived inside of something that I was building. So it wasn't like, oh, we have everything perfect. You know, we, for the last year, we've been failing and fast, so fast that we've found massive amounts of success through it. You know, we've got nine coaches right now. We're shooting for 12. We're going to call it the disciples of the rebellion. <laughs> a little bit of a theme here going on, right, guys? So. Oh, man. Man, this is yeah, so, so good. That's the story of Dale, man. That's um, me. So this is, I, I am privileged. This is my first time getting to hear this. Um and, you know, I, I don't even know how to summarize that, man. I'm just sitting here thinking rock star leading a sales rebellion that just took me to church. Like, I, this is crazy. So I, we could actually hit stop and we'd be done and everybody would love this podcast. <laughs> um, but I can't, I can't wait to hear, you know, how this translates and how we in the senior living space, right? How... How does this sales rebellion, what are some basic principles that we can, that you can share with us that transcend industries, you know, because yeah, I feel like the muck and mire that you are talking about, I'm in the industry, Lucas is in the industry, so we can talk about us, right? It's hard to hear it from people outside we're in, but like, we want to hear you talk about us. Like, uh, what can we talk about today? For sure, dude. It, so one of the first things I would say that we would, that we could and should tackle in order to help the listeners, especially to say like, well, okay, great. Like you run up against the status quo. And if I say I'm a sales rebel, does that automatically make me better at my job? Like, no, it doesn't. Like you have to believe in our principles, right? And some of the pieces of that puzzle are what are your sales foundations? Right. We believe in people over products. Right? We, be, we believe in community over commission checks. We believe in fellowship over negotiations. And we believe in experiences before performing a pitch. Right? And so the idea of this concept at its core is the idea of very holistic human interaction. So let's let's take a real good example, an easy one. Now we could do a senior living one too if you want at some point, but because that that one actually might get a little hairy. <laughs> we might actually end up offending some people that are listening, but but that's okay. It's good to be offended and challenged in what you think is right, because I'll tell you right now that, that through my whole career I kept going. This is this is the right thing to do, but I had five mentors and I would go to all of them, and even knowing in my head this one's going to tell me it's not good, you know. And I'd still go to them and I would let them tear me apart. <laughs> and in the process, it was through love that they did it. 
and I became better and I became better and I became better. And eventually I became the servant leader that my father had been as an example to me. It's hard to look at your dad. Any son can say this that had a good relationship with their father like I did. It's hard to look at your dad and just say everything about him I want to be. Up until the, the the day he died, guys, there was there was one there's one thing that I still took like this hard stance. I was like, never gonna do that. Yo, when he died, I'll tell you guys straight up that I just, I said after that day, I said, does that even matter? Does it even matter that I have this opinion about this thing that I didn't like about my dad? Who cares? And that's what's wrong with sales. Is that we constantly we sit back and we say, I know better. I have a different experience than you. Empathy is non-existent in that kind of an attitude. And on that day, when at my father's funeral, I learned empathy better than I ever did in 2016. It was an awakening for me. Not that I didn't know it and I didn't practice it, but man, oh man, I mean, I've, I've lived it in those moments and it was, it was humbling. And so a restaurant, you walk in, you sit down, the young lady or the young man that's serving you comes up to the table. What do they say, Lucas? What do you want to eat? That's good. What do you want Josh, to drink? How about you? What do you? What can I get for you? That's good too. Yeah. Hi, my name is Dale. I'll be serving you today. Oh. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Does that now? Let's go back to the, the original. The original scenario. Put yourself in the shoes. Close your eyes if you have to. <laughs> you walk in. How many? Two. Right this way. Exactly the same every time. You sit down. Hi, my name is Dale. I'll be your server today. And then what's the next thing they say, which is what the two of you just expressed. What can I get for you? What would you like to drink is usually where they start. I'm okay? guilty. I'm already now, feeling guilty. I'm already feeling guilty. <laughs> imagine that. Imagine that I go to the restaurant with you. This is what I do every time. It's kind of annoying. I think Lucas <laughs> is actually saying this. Yes. That they'll walk up and they go, hi, I'm so-and-so. It's, I'll be taking. And as soon as they say it, I'm like, I'm like, hey, I'm Dale. Nice to meet you. Like right away, like to interrupt their little thing. And when they start, and even sometimes I just did this with a student. I was up in Tennessee in Knoxville masked up because man, Tennessee, you guys are like, because you're there, Josh, you're in Tennessee, right? I am. You guys don't care about COVID-19. I was like, you all have it. I'm going to wear a mask. <laughs> but I, I digress. I, I, I went to, to a pizza place with one of my students and the young lady came up and said, hi, my name is Mary. I'll be serving you today. What? And this, this, before she could even say it, I said, two waters. And she looked at me like I just committed a sin, right? Like, <gasps> you aren't going to let me ask you what you want? No, no, because 9,000 times I've had to listen to that, right? 9,000 times I've had to sit here and hear Mary and Dave and Stephen and Dan and Rachel. And, oh, my God. And I can't do it anymore. <laughs> and so think about, think about me, right? I'm coming up in the world. I'm developing myself as a professional. I'm putting myself out there. I'm trying to build a community. And my dad's still on this earth. Let's just say that he's still here and he's in his sixties and he needs hospice. And I go to take him somewhere and I'm vulnerable in those moments. Right. And I'm not, I'm not in a place where I want to be in the, to begin with. And what does somebody come up to me and say, when I get to there tonight, when I get to the hospice itself? What do they say to you every time, every single person, but I've only heard it for the first time, right? Because it was with my dad, but then I'll hear it for the second time when I deal with my mom. And because I'm aware, I already know what's going to happen. 
before I even get there. When we got to the funeral home, for example, they walk right up to you and they say the same thing every time. Mr. Dupree, I am so sorry for your loss. You don't give a shit. You don't care about me. You don't care about my father. You don't know what I'm feeling right now. Don't sit here and pretend like you do. And so that's the that's the example. And that's the practice that we have to start with. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, death is hard for me. <laughs> they said, I have such a hard time trying to figure out how do I ask somebody, are you okay, after they've experienced it? And I stopped them and said, you don't. And I said, think about that for a second. Is it natural for you to walk up to the table and go, hi, my name is Dale. I'll be serving you today. What can I get you to drink? Is it natural or were you taught to say those things? Is it disconnected because of that? We have disconnected ourselves from human interaction. We have done it through this process of creating a system, right? This is the way that HR tells us we need to speak to people, right? Okay, so the same HR that just goes and lobbies to the government, do they speak to people? (laughs) Is it just politicians, right? So the idea to me is, How can we change those narratives? So imagine we walk into the same restaurant. Let's start with a restaurant. Walk in the same restaurant. And now the beginning can still go the same way. How many? Right? Because I don't know what you would say to that. I've always racked my brain on that, right? Like I've thought even about saying, did you mean to come here or were you looking for the restaurant next door? And actually they do that at Dick's. You guys ever been to Dick's? No, no. So there's a restaurant train called Dick's and it's called Dick's for a reason. I'll let you guys figure that out. <laughs> but you have to go because they treat you like garbage from the minute you walk in and you're kind of like, what's happening? <laughs> but you stay because it's so different. You're attracted to it. We fear the unknown, but we know that being uncomfortable yields the best results and the most growth. We, get, we know that in every instance of it in our life, no matter how hard it was, we know we got better in those moments. Even if it made us hard toward that scenario or that subject, it made us better, right? And so that's a, that's a universal fact. And so you walk into the same restaurant, you sit down and this person that walks up to you, instead of saying like, hey, I'm Dale, you know, they say, hey, my name is Dale, but you could have already figured that out because I'm wearing a freaking name tag. So it was everybody else in, in here. If you need anybody, just look at their name tag. But did you guys want me to tell you what I like on the menu or do y'all want to just pick it up yourselves? And giving people these emotional options and triggers to sit back and be like, all right, Dale coming in hot. What is it that you like on the menu? Right. And it's a challenge concept, but not in a way that affects the other person in the way that that the challenger sale would essentially. Right? We're not talking about challenging their very existence and their decision making process and whether or not we bring value. We're challenging the way that they perceive this interaction. We're challenging the way that they typically expect this to go you know and so then we we say all right so these are my two favorite dishes but then we go i really don't recommend the mac and cheese though it's not good and in the process we start to build credibility because we're being honest right we're telling people exactly like it is hey you know so we've got 90 beds in here uh but the bathrooms suck the all the bathrooms suck so i would i would i would tell you that instead of like until we remodel the bathrooms you probably want to use the public ones Right. So and like, really, it's just a bed. There's no real like, I mean, maybe do your hair in it kind of thing, but then you're going to you're going to want to use the public one. Right. But a lot of people use it, too. So I don't know if that's going to be weird for you. <laughs> no. And, and like really seriously, I felt that way when we went to put my grandfather in a nursing home. I was like, this bathroom is so bad compared to the one that I just used in the hall. <laughs> you know, like literally felt that way. But again, like that's the the concept of being 
holistic with people through conversation, telling the truth, becoming transparent. People preach authenticity. And then everybody goes, but what does it mean? Oh, to be my authentic self. Okay. So I want to, I want to be a nice person, but are you a nice person? That's the question, right? You know, so then imagine that you get to the end to wrap up the scenario here that we're teaching people. You get to the end of, of exposing everybody inside of this menu and you say, you, you look around, going to do one of those and listen, don't tell anybody else. But the chef's actually banging out these dope eggs in the back. And I know what you're thinking, eggs for dinner? I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to change your life. I can get them if you want. It'd be about the same price as what this is right here on the menu. You want to try? Yes. I do. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're and now we're selling. That's what sales truly is because th- because we are connected with people. We're giving them an experience where they're going to leave that and they're going to tell 9,000 people to go there, right? The same 9,000 times that I've gone to a restaurant and been disappointed, right? They're going to tell that many people to go to that place, right? Can you imagine the tidal wave of business and something like that? would give people you ever guys ever seen the guy that goes door to door and he sprays the the cleaner and he, and he's like talking about all the movie references and the wife comes out with her phone. She's like, what's going on? Like, and they, they record it. They put it on Facebook because this guy gives them something they're not used to. He interrupts the pattern, all the normalcies that we have put into place in society. They're a lie. And that's why the sales rebellion does what it does. Man. Mike dropped that. Mike drop for sure. Dude, we, Lucas, we've got to get, Dale into like the senior living industry to just totally cause a rebellion. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I mean, could you imagine? We're doing that as we speak, just so you know. So, yes. Dale, <laughs> how much hate mail do you get? That's what I want to know because I'm wanting to know how to be prepared here. It's a lot, man, because uh, it, I'll tell you it's a lot because and we talked a little bit about this offline that I, I know that what we're doing is righteous, that we are we are leading beside people we are arms locked walking into the darkest places with them crawling through the thickest mud with them we are not leading from the front come on guys we're not in the back go forward everybody we're right beside you and because of that it intimidates people it intimidates the people that are sitting on their throne that don't want to get off of it mm-hmm. it intimidates the industries that sit back and say you bring too much change It will take money out of our pockets. We won't be able to take our yacht out this weekend. And I don't care. That's how I feel. And and here's the thing, too, is that nobody cares as much as you. It's a principle I learned a long time ago. And, And to tie to it, as I evolved in the way that I started thinking, I started thinking, well, that's how people are at the top. They care more than everybody else. And so they get all the way up there. And then because everybody else is kind of down here, just like, hey, I don't really know what I am or what I care about. (laughs) But they continue to be up here. So I changed my mindset to nobody cares as much as you except for me. And then I added to that and put show people how much you truly care. And through the process of that, that's really the way that the standard in which the rebellion teaches people. We take it. There's a it's a process to kind of get to those three things. It's more than just one conversation. Most people don't hear it until like six months in working with us because it's self-awareness. We drop little hints of it constantly. We show people the roots of their sales rebellion, right? And we, we teach them things that piss them off, right? We do it on purpose. And any of our students will tell you, like at some point that I've said something or we've shown them something that they've gone, I don't want to do this selfishly, right? And then they realize that that's why they're doing it. It's almost as if it's almost as, I should say, when we built it and we were questioning, is this too much? 
Is this going to hurt feelings? Should we be more accommodating of people? That's selfish for us to feel that way. We need to take people to these uncomfortable places. We have to. We've been called to. And, and the more that we can, the more we awaken that sleeping giant that everybody talks so much about. So the haters are out there, bro. I mean, I probably get more than I can count a day, to be quite frank with you. What's great is, is that I've built such a knit tight community and I don't let people in. I used to just let everybody in. And then all of a sudden I was getting direct messages from them like, oh, you screwed up and let me in. And now I'm going to make your life miserable, basically. <laughs> And, and, and so I have 37, 38,000 followers on LinkedIn over the last couple of years. I've accrued that I could, I'd probably have about 150 without, if I would, and I probably less than that, probably more like a hundred, there's probably 60, 70,000 people. I've literally denied access to my network from a first connection standpoint, because as I started going up and up and up and I got to about 8,000 direct connections, I only have 11,000 direct connections. When I got to about eight, I started to realize I was like, wait a second. I'm letting people in that don't even want to be letting. They just want to come here and cause a ruckus. And so I started to create something a little bit more systematic around how I was connecting with people. And sometimes I'm even just send them a message and say, what's up? How, uh, you know, how did you find me? Why are you reaching out? Did you have something that you wanted to sell me? Did you like my content? Like I would just be very blunt and honest with people. And when they never responded, I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> like, dang it, this guy's so nice. Why is he so nice? Yeah. <laughs> So, but, but there's a lot, I mean, I'm assuming that you get a bunch of hate mail too, Josh. I mean, oh, you're on a, I'm glad you think that Lucas about me. McCurdy, you know? I'm, I'm glad to know. I'm, I thought I was completely charming. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know, I think anytime that you, you push the envelope, um, I think you refer to it as, is kind of pushing people to their uncomfortable spots. There's a natural kind of pushback. Um, I think it's healthy though. I, I know that's, it's a, pretty popular phrase. I didn't know it was so popular when my dad was telling me when I was growing up to, he would just tell me when I was complaining about something he was teaching me to do or explaining to me to do or trying to build some value into me and say, just get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, that's where you need to be. And um, I, I would say Lucas has known me long enough to know now that, you know, that's kind of my motto. Um, and yeah, but to your point, I think um, you do get some some people that want to throw the darts and things like that, but um, you get more that uh, that build that s want to support, that want to be part of that movement, that want to be um, you know hand in hand, shoulder in shoulder with you, and that makes it all worth it. it. Gosh, when you were talking, I mean, we could literally talk for days about just how relevant everything you were saying is to to what our industry needs and how we need to be challenged i mean our industry is probably not a really old industry lucas i mean would you say i mean 20 25 years depending on which studies you look at maybe as long as 30 that doesn't feel very old um and i feel like in many ways we we're still doing things probably how the ones before us started because we were told to do it that way. Um, you even brought up a point about the restrooms and, and that brought up to my mind, I, I can't tell you how many developers I've gone to them. They want to know how to, how to build or where to build or whatever. And you'll look at the budgets and the common areas, the budgets for finishes and fabrics and um, you know, all of the FF and E is, is really high. 
and then the flooring budget for the common area that they show when you walk in is, is super high, but the flooring budget for the resident room is like almost non-existent. Let's just put linoleum in there, you know, because we're not really going to show them that. And, but that's where the resident lives, you know, and that's, that's right. what's their home. That That's going to be their home. So, uh, Gosh, thanks for challenging us, uh, Lucas. I don't even know where to start with all that. I, I feel like ashamed <laughs> right now. I need to. I need to like just ask for forgiveness. Well, and and this is the reason why we wanted to bring Dale on, and also to connect the dots with so many people that reach out to me. And I'm like, you got to follow Dale. You got to follow Dale. Um, and Dale, he has his own podcast. Uh, I believe it's called Selling Local. I had the honor of actually being on your program, um, and, and it was yeah, two times. That's right. Um, back when I was living in Orlando and, uh, it's just, it's such a great resource and it's something, Dale, the concepts that you're talking about, it transcends because we're talking about human to human interaction and in senior living, it's really a very precious time. It's really a very precious, um, moment in these experiences that people have because the product and service that senior living, the industry is providing or selling, um, is a very emotional decision. And uh, it's really, really important that we learn these concepts. And I will say there is a light that is shining because the reason why I personally have found this industry to be so compelling is because of the people in the business. Um, and I think that that is a big misconception. Um, but here's what I would say about it. It's complicated because uh, you know, just it's, you, there's no comparison to that and a copier or a meal at a restaurant because you're making that choice. You know, these, these sort of situations, a lot of times they're complicated. Uh, uh, a, a wife has lost their husband, a, um, a, you know, somebody's, you know, they're, they're experiencing dementia. Um, they're, you know, they're experiencing something in many cases. It's not every case. Uh, there's independent living and there's assisted living that people uh, make a choice that they want to be in congregate care because they want to be in relationship with other people and they don't want to be isolated at home. And so there's just a lot going on there and it's very complicated. And I think that these types of conversations are really, really good and very poignant for today. COVID is utterly transforming the way that the globe is, is functioning right now. And it's certainly transforming the way that senior living operates. And I think that senior living really has an opportunity to step out of this situation and almost come into a rebirth. And these concepts that you're talking about, I think are very applicable. Truth. Yeah. And I would, I would agree with you on all those things and that what we've been kind of conceptualizing is this rebirth right? That, that the rebellion is really what that is, but that also like, we've been taking it like a step further and even talking about how does it tie into the foundation of, of us as humans? And, and if we trace back to even Jesus and his time in the earth on earth, what was it that he was trying to change in his own walk? What was it that people were, were distant from in those moments? And they had a, a living God on earth walking around, right? And yet people still in those moments were looking at these at him and what he was doing and going, no, no, dude, no way. Right. And here we are in the year 2020 where everything's on video. You can see third world countries, you know, living in poverty. You can watch tragedies happening 
and in places in the, the darkest corners of the world, you can see your neighbor eating dinner, you know, because they just Instagrammed it. Cool. You know, and, and yet still we are so disconnected with humans, you know, and we're so opinionated about everything. And, it, and this is the problem with the world is, is awareness and specifically situational awareness, which ties into two elements, awareness of self and awareness of others. Because we're not aware of ourselves, we cannot be aware of others. And because we're not aware of others, we are not aware of situations. Think about driving on a highway in the left-hand lane. And you're going 80 and the speed limit 70. Sorry, mom. And the guy in front of you or the girl in front of you is going 78. And they're just hanging out. And there's no one in the, the middle lane at all. It's like, hi, can I, can I, can I get you to curti- use some courtesy and let me pass? Because that's why they made this lane, the government, the thing that – you know, the thing that you voted in, like they want this here for me. Like I pay taxes too. You know, you got your brain starts going crazy. It scrambles almost. And you get to this place of anger, like almost immediately you drive by with your finger out the window and, ah, you know, and, and we are so fragile as humans. Right. And we are, but we are, we have no situational awareness when we're the person that's in the car doing 78 but the person that we are that's passing, we have absolutely no love in our heart whatsoever because we have an expectation about the way everybody should be. And so there's this, this dilemma that's happening inside of the world that like we can't fix. And it's funny because constantly I go on podcasts and I talk about sales. 90% of the time I'm talking about sales. I got one where I just talk about being a dad, which is a fun one. Um, but Afterwards, people usually say, dude, are you are you leading a sales rebellion here or a life rebellion? That's my favorite thing that people say, because we the sales rebellion, we're not a training and development organization. I mean, we might be that to, to the communities that we serve, but we're a movement and we're here to make people better. <laughs> we're not just here to tell people how to sell in a way that's effective, that, that the marketplace craves it, because that that concept starts with ourselves. It starts with the principle of knowing thyself and it starts with the principles of awareness. Dale, I love um, how you kind of teach and, and kind of give illustrations uh, from like real life examples and stories. Like I, my simple mind needs that to kind of relate. Um, I feel like I can't, I, I really would love to be able to stump you right now. Um, it's burning inside of me, but I feel like you're going to pull out like an electric guitar or something and have already written a song about it and have that answer in a story form. Um but like, just I have to imagine when this podcast drops, there's going to be a ton of salespeople that have this aha moment, and they're like, "I am, I am Dale Dupree, working for Xerox right now, and I am not. I cannot muster the strength to jump out." but I am really wanting to do better. Like, how can I, how can I do better where I am? How can I shine where I am? What resources, like, what would you say to an encouragement other than just jump, you know, get the heck out? What, yeah. what would you say to that person? You know, the thing is, is that remember my story, right? Remember that I spent a lot of time in the industry in which I was fighting against years, you know, and, and, and for a year and a half of that, I was a, at the very top of the food chain, right, like right one seat under the, the, the highest position, right? And, and it was a corporation, so it was global. So it wasn't just in a, a little 
place in a little territory. Like I could have affected change everywhere, but even in like chasing all that time and chasing all those years and chasing all those things, my mindset was right. And my heart was, was in, in a loving place in a place of, of not of conquering, but of defending what it is that I knew was right for people. But the actual goal that I sought had nothing to do with where I was inside of my industry. And, and so as hard as it might be for people to hear, you got to sit back and decide right now, are you leading your own rebellion or not? And if you're going to lead it and you're going to stay where you're at, you're going to stay in your industry. Are you going to be able to make the hard decisions to take the risks to become uncomfortable and to change today? Not tomorrow. Oh, let me sleep it on, sleep on it. Let me talk to my wife. Right. You know, like, no, your wife needs you to make the decision to be, become this thing. Your family does, your community does, the people do. And so as hard as it is to, to hear, bro, and I love the question, people have to suck it up. And I'm not talking about some toxic male masculinity bullcrap, right? I'm talking about sucking it up in the name of something bigger than yourself. Sucking it up because it's time for you to give back to people what they deserve to get from you. You have bottled it up for way too long. You have to take the cap off. You have to stop holding back. You have to stop thinking, I'm not enough. People aren't going to like what I say. I say no to all those things. I'm telling you right now, whoever is listening, feeling that temptation of staying inside of mediocrity and becoming part of the status quo, do not. I believe in you. I understand what it's like to feel that way, to get to a place even where you're like, I'm doing everything I possibly can and it's not moving the needle. Yes, it is. You just can't see it. You need a community. You need to surround yourself with individuals that will breathe that life into you. And I'm not talking about people making stuff up, you know, around you or like when they're with you, they're like, yeah, I keep doing this. And then as soon as you're out of the room, they're like, man, we got to, we got to talk to him about this. How are we going to do that? (laughs) You know, I'm talking about true warriors in your life, real mentors. I'm talking about men. I'm talking about women. I'm talking about everything that you need to become the legend that it is that you are called to, and you know it deep down inside, you feel it every day, but you're afraid of it. And fear rules our lives. Admit that you're afraid of it. Embrace the suck of that. Embrace the fact that you got this big old beard and all these tattoos and big old holes in your ears, and you're scared. Admit it, because I had to do the same thing. It will free you. And and everybody listening, whether you believe in Jesus or not, he has your back right? And he's working through people all around you, right? And and if that, to you, if that's just spirituality, cool, man. All about it, right? But let me tell you the facts that Jesus is the person that saved me through my entire walk. It's the person that gave me my father. It's the person that gave me the opportunity to go and tour in a band at 17 years old and sleep in the back of a freaking pickup truck and to be signed to Warner Brothers Records, right? He's the person that allowed me to sell copiers for 13 years, two years of absolute horrid struggle, to be able to then give me a solid 11 years of massive success and to be able to do things like when my dad died, buy the house that, that he raised us in because otherwise I would have been able to afford this place and keep this inside of my family as a legacy. There's so many things that are sitting right in front of people right now that they don't recognize because they don't know themselves to begin with. And so, Josh, to answer your question in a very long statement with a short ending, take the risk and start today. Oh, man, that I love it. What a challenging, encouraging, passionate message. Uh, Lucas, um, I just feel, you know, I've only been in this space for 15 years. 
um, which I'm still saying is not a long time. You know, some people are looking at me like I'm getting a lot of wrinkles and stuff, but I don't think that's a long time. But I feel like our industry is ripe for the rebellion. Uh, you know, I think it's being pressured from a lot of even outside factors. People are searching for what we need to do better, what we need to do next. And I hope that uh, the listeners of this podcast will share, will get excited, uh, will get used to that uncomfortable feeling um, and take the leap, you know, take, take Dale's message and run with it. We, we're going to be their biggest fans. I know Dale's going to be their biggest fans. Dale, dude, it's a privilege, man. I, I'm so glad you took time for us today. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you, guys. I, I, I love the word time. If I can leave people with one thing out of everything that they just listened to, remember that time is the most important thing that we can give to one another. And so thank you both for your time today. You got it, buddy, man. I love you and, uh, and appreciate you so much. You were one of the biggest influencers just to put a kind of a cherry on top of this. Um, when I was scared to step out and start my own thing around the things that I believe in, which is to be a good steward of the senior living industry and to provide something that they need. You told me, dude, you got to do it. And you said it in a way that just echoed throughout all of my being. And so I really appreciate that, man. So people are going to want to connect with you. You're going to get uh, some, what you would perceive as some random followers. You probably already do for me. Cause every week I'm telling somebody, I'm like, you got to follow Dale Dupree. You got to follow Dale Dupree. By the way, How would you people- please accept my connection request? I mean, you keep <laughs> ignoring me, but would, would this please, would this do it today? Like I, I feel like rejected. So. You got it, bro. All right, I'll thanks, even man. go and find you and just right. send it myself. Thanks. I'm hard <laughs> to find. So, yeah, in LinkedIn, you have very, very precious connections on LinkedIn. You're going to max out, no doubt. Um, so I get it. But how, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah, they can head to LinkedIn.com backslash in backslash Copier Warrior. But you can also just head to SalesRebellion.com. Robot Dale will greet you there, and he'll tell you ways to get in touch with me. You can find my cell phone there as well, too. But really, you know, I encourage people to just check out Google and type in my name. You know, maybe something comes up that it was that you needed to hear and that you don't necessarily need to get in touch with me in those moments, but that you just need more encouragement, right? Because I've got a slew of information out there that's free for everybody to check out and listen to in the first place, right? And and so what I would say is that people that are looking to consume the content, if you have an Instagram, if you have a Twitter, if you have a TikTok, if you have a YouTube channel or just are a subscriber, I'm on all those things. Sales Rebellion. Dale Dupree, just find me, come hang out. I'm happy to meet new people. I'm happy to serve however I can. And you have a, a podcast. And I think you also guest host on uh, James Carberry's B2B growth show. I do. I do both those things. Awesome. I do a lot of stuff. You do. There's probably more stuff we could come up with right now, even that I didn't even realize. Well, uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Will you come back on the program for a future show? Yeah, okay. totally. This has been <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm grateful to, to all of you, including Sarah, who went away when we started, but I know she's here. So Yeah, she's the magic <laughs> sauce. We all know she that. She is. She is. Thank you, Dale, so much. Uh, I know that our listeners are going to want to connect. Please, let's not end the conversation here. Um, as we start to post all these things online throughout the week, um, we're going to be tagging Dale and start you know, continue these conversations in the, the comment section. Um, and so it's going to be great. Thank you, Dale, so much. Have a great day. And thanks for everybody for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. 
For a full library of episodes, merchandise, and the 2020 conference tour schedule, visit btgvoice.com. Join the conversation on social media by following at BTG Voice, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode.